Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. How's everybody doing? Hey, hey, you know what? It's early, huh? Put the drink down. Think about it, okay? Just take it easy, will you? Could you just put the bong down for a second? Could you not vape at 10 in the morning? Could you not? How, how are you still awake? I'm talking to the people that are struggling with addiction, alcoholism, drugs, whatever your thing is. Maybe you've been up all night with the porn. I don't know. But if you're struggling and you want to stop it, you just can't because it's like it's 6 a.m. and uh, you're still cutting lines. Come on. Enough already. It it doesn't age well. It doesn't get any different. It doesn't get any better. It's going to be the same thing over and over again. Whatever it is that you are compulsively doing, uh, on a daily basis to uh, alter your perception or feel better or reward yourself somehow that's all lost after the first hour or two and then it's just a, it's just a chase man it's just a chase maybe it's distracting you maybe it's a maybe it's making you feel well but god let's let's reel it in huh what do i gotta tell what do i gotta tell you go to a meeting don't worry about the god part just go just do something come on man life is short enough the way it is and I'm telling you, it ain't going to change if you keep doing it. Just not. It's going to be the same. I'm, all right. Yeah, that's enough. Now I'm going to talk to the other people. How's everyone else doing? How's the bike ride? Good. How's the exercise going? Good. Good. How's the, uh, the dog walking? How, they, say hi to your doggy for me. Terrific. You okay at work there? You got set up? You set up? You got your coffee and everything? How's the painting? How's the shoemaking? How's the uh, silversmithing? What's happening? You working with clay? Is it clay? Hey, uh, did I mention I'm Mark Marin? Did I mention today? No, I didn't. I know I didn't because I, I know exactly what I've been talking about. Today on the show, Jay Leno uh, came over. He, drew, he was in a very shiny Corvair. I don't know what year it is, but those are always interesting cars to see around. It was red. It was uh, beautifully painted. Nicely done. A Corvair. I don't know when they made those. Probably in the mid to late 60s, I'm guessing. The Corvair it was sort of a... Not a Corvette. I think it was made by Chevy. I'm not a car guy. So that's not what we were talking about, me and Jay. Not much anyways. I'm, uh, I did buy a car, though. I, did I, meant, I, I bought a new car. I did. I bought a new car. But let me, 
I there's I guess there's a lot to talk about. Saturday, November 10th at 7:30 p.m., I will be playing the Beacon Theater as part of the New York Comedy Festival. Pre-sale tickets go on sale this Wednesday, August 8th at 11 a.m. Eastern through Sunday, August 12th at 10 p.m. Get them at nycomedyfestival.com. The pre-sale code is TNYCF. The general on-sale date is Monday, August 13th at 10 a.m. Eastern. And I've got other dates coming up. You can go to wtfpod.com slash tour. I'm going to Bloomington, Indiana. I'm going to Denver, Colorado. I'm going to uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm going to Phoenix for a night. But New York Comedy Festival, Beacon Theater, very exciting. It's one of the reasons I've been going out and hitting the clubs, doing uh, several shows in a row, hammering it out, finding the through lines, riffing it so I can uh, get it all into one piece in my mind before the big show in November. So that's why I was in Salt Lake City. Aside from, you know, I go there once a year or so, I believe. I've been to Wise Guys many times in different uh, locations. The downtown location seems to have stuck. It's a, it's a interest. It's a, it's an odd room, but it's a good room, and we had a good time. I always, it's always a, a little tweaky for me in Salt Lake City. I really do want to thank the people for coming out because I really feel that everybody that I could possibly draw comes out to see me in Salt Lake City. That's about a thousand people. Did four shows. I think the room seats two two fifty and change. But there's something about the weird sort of a mystical and cultural balance of Salt Lake City that is very provocative to me. I, I, I'm, I'm compulsively interested in uh, uh, kind of uh, the, the religious. And I'm not always cynical. I'm not always negative. But the Mormons are a very specific bunch. And it's just interesting to be in that city, knowing that it's all there, knowing it was built by them, knowing that it's, you know, you can go to the place where the thing happened and where things do happen. And then there's, you know, it extends out into who knows what they know, but it's just a mysterious thing. And then there's a, the, the people that aren't that. And then there's the people that used to be that. And then there's the hundred degree heat. And then there's the altitude. And I just find myself wandering the sterile streets of downtown Salt Lake City, almost in a a, a, uh, a kind of in-movement meditation. But uh, I, I do get tripped out. Like even flying in, you know, you fly into Salt Lake, you look out. On one side, it's beautiful mountains. On the other side, there's a, I, I, I really believe it's drying up. The, the Great Salt Lake is drying up. And then there's all these weird swampy looking tide pools in the middle of the desert with, I don't know, some sort of very persistent algae. The persistent green in the middle of the desert in the salt tide pools near the salt lake. It's it's definitely post-apocalyptic. It it almost looks like it looks like the last water source on Earth. It looks like that that's the only water left on Earth, and there's a roaming crew of uh, of uh, of sort of uh, you know humans in 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 just like beat up, you know, maybe not quite road warrior, but maybe sort of more Bedouin with uh, modern. Uh, pieces of appliances wandering and the the great salt lake looks like the water they come upon you know and they're so relieved that they finally found it and then they taste it and they're like oh fuck too salty and that's the way it ends that's the way that tale ends but point being i tend to to get pretty far out there and i'm glad that the audiences were supportive because uh that second show saturday that was that was trippy that was trippy, and I enjoyed being there. So thank you for having me, Salt Lake. Although I'm not a sanctioned Mormon act, I don't believe that uh, 
the the ones that came minded. Uh, one person uh, tweeted at me that they that, that uh, my uh, current uh, Mike Pence bit went a little too far and ruined he and his wife's evening, and I. I kind of apologize for that, and I, maybe I should have warned you, but there's really no way to warn anybody about that bit. I don't know where it came from. It's some old school kind of like Rabelaisian filth that I've uh, I've uh, hammered the uh, the vice president into. It's it's a piece, man. It's a piece, and I, I understand. And I tried to uh, explain how you know I understand that it could be offensive, and I tried to negotiate that because uh, I, I do like to be a bit diplomatic in these things. So Jay Leno, I I didn't think I'd be talking to him. I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't I didn't you know I, I just didn't assume it would ever happen. You know it didn't happen back when it uh, when things were were lively for Jay in in both the good and the bad ways. But it didn't happen. Uh, it, it's never it just never came up. I mean, many of you who listen to the show, um, you know that I did the Tonight Show towards the end of the Tonight Show. It was, I think it was for the first season of Glow, maybe the last season of Marin. I don't know, but he invited me. I decided to do it. I'd never done The Tonight Show. I didn't know if The Tonight Show was going to be in existence anymore. And I don't need to make excuses. I did Jay Leno's Tonight Show to see what it would be like. And it was uh, it was odd because Jay came into my dressing room before the uh, the spot. He was in his uh, Canadian tuxedo, as usual. And he, he kind of talked to me for like a half hour about how he thought I didn't like him, how he thought I was a Conan guy, how he assumed that... You know that uh, that that I I just uh, didn't want to do the show and and whatnot. But his point really was like he he went out of his way to say you're a comic. I'm a comic. We're comics. We're comics, right? Yes, we are. We we're comics at heart. We are comics. That is what we are made of. Comedians are of a certain cut of a certain cloth, especially the lifers. Yeah, and I'm certainly a lifer, as is Jay. So whatever else you do, you're a comic. That's and and people know who you are. I mean, I'm saying comics, you know who I'm talking about. And, you know, I might be talking about you. There, there are people that are, in, that are passing through, and then there are lifers. So point being, what I got out of that conversation was that Jay uh, was, he, I, I, I don't know if I would say upset, but he knew that most of the comics had, had pulled away in terms of their respect for him for whatever reason. And I know what the reasons are. And there's been a few over time. And so when I got the opportunity to have Jay on the show, I, I thought that, well, I, I don't have anything to lose and uh, I have respect in place for him, but I also have questions about the choices he made and, and maybe he'll talk about it. And that's what I set out to do with this interview, because when I was younger, Jay Leno was one of the funniest guys alive. I, I mean, when I was a kid in my teens watching the daytime shows after school, Merv Griffin, Mike Douglas, whatever the hell it was. You know, Jay would be there and he would be funny. And when I went at the original Letterman show, which I started watching at the beginning in college, Jay was pretty much on four or five times a year at least. And he was funny. He was a great comedian. And then I remember in college, I came out to L.A. one summer with my friend Steve Brill after maybe it's probably after sophomore year. We went to the improv. I saw Jay Leno and he was fucking funny. And I remembered a joke he did, kind of halfway, almost. And it's very interesting. You'll listen in the interview. I mean, that had to have been 1984, 83. And I, and I, I, I reminded him of the joke that I could barely remember, though I remember the punchline. He remembered the joke. Got a mind like a steel trap, that guy. 
But really what I wanted to talk about is that I think the first shift in the com- in comedian's perception of Jay was when he took The Tonight Show and what he did with it. You know, it went from Johnny, who we all thought was a class act. It was really, you know, Johnny Carson was very important to comics. He was very important to Jay. And there was like, you know, the whole fight between Letterman and Jay. Uh, Johnny thought that Letterman should get it. And then there was, you know, whatever the story is, you know the story. It's available. It's in a book about what went on between Jay and Dave and, and how Jay got the show over Dave. And, uh, you know, that was a sticking point because I was a Dave guy, thought Dave deserved it. He'd earned it. He'd worked for it. So that was the first shot for me. And I, and I can't assume to know what other comics thought. But for me, being a Dave guy, but loving Jay as a comedian, thought Dave deserved The Tonight Show. And Jay took The Tonight Show. And what was once a classy, though schmaltzy outlet uh, or show, uh, you know, he made into a circus, you know, and there, I just remember being very critical of it at the time. And, you know, and just like him touching the audience and running around, it just like it, it just felt like it went just a little, low, little low rent in a way or just mediocre or whatever. So then you got to deal with Jay hosting this show that you thought Dave should, should have gotten. And then Jay's, you know, processing jokes. He's got to do monologues. So he's not doing, you know, the type of material that he necessarily did as a solo act. He's churning through a lot of jokes. They're okay. He doesn't seem to quite fit the suit or the screen uh, for a few years. But that was the first couple of hits is that he, we felt like he took the show from Dave. Uh, then he was on the show. And then he sort of degraded himself in the show in terms of, of the content uh, being a little lowbrow, or I guess that's the word. And, and that was a big hit. And, you know, and then a lot of us were like, well, I don't know, man. And then Bill Hicks uh, did a sort of, you know, seminal, is that the right word bit about Jay selling out on the Doritos commercials. And, uh, and, you know, we, we were all, you know, a lot of us were Bill Hicks people and, you know, Bill Hicks was a sort of enlightened, uh, a genius, uh, lyrical kind of, uh, joke, puncher uh you know really uh you know it had a lot of guts and had a lot of uh, insight and really could nail it in a way that no one else could and he nailed jay and that stuck that stuck with a lot of comics you know then there's a second wave of this you know the conan debacle so i imagine some of you people who aren't my age or don't remember those earlier sort of um jay leno events you remember the conan event conan was uh, contracted to begin the tonight show and Jay was contracted to leave it. So it seems that he, he didn't necessarily want to leave, but certainly that was what the paperwork said that he had to do. And, and Conan went and got his job. And he got on The Tonight Show, and he did Conan. He did the Conan thing. Now, Conan's another guy been very good to me. Since the mid-'90s, Conan used to... When, throughout the New York run of that show, Conan put me on three or four times a year as a as a panel guest which was my dream because i wanted to be like jay was on dave i wanted to be like richard lewis was on dave i wanted to be like uh, george miller was on dave i wanted to be a guy that sat down and had that relationship with the host and conan did that for me over and over again i owe a great deal to conan in terms of you know giving me some exposure it didn't really amount to uh ticket sales but that was probably my fault over those years clearly but nonetheless, you know, I was excited for Conan to get The Tonight Show, and, and he got it. The issue with Jay at that point was that Tonight Show was sort of tanking with Conan. The numbers weren't great. They weren't picking up. So they, they panicked, and Zucker, I guess it was, wanted to you know, push The Tonight Show up to midnight and you know have Jay do a, an hour or whatever it was. Jay was back in it. 
Jimmy Kimmel spoke out against it. You know, many of us were, were sort of uh, flabbergasted and upset by the whole thing, like give the guy a chance. But eventually, uh, Conan resigned, was pushed out, as opposed to go do the Tonight Show at midnight, and Jay came back and uh, was there for however many years that was. So that was really the you know strike three in terms of the comic or certain comics respect for him, the certain parts of the community. Not everybody, but I'm, I'm, this is just my recalling of it. So these were, you know, the transgressions or whatever they were, the, 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 the things that chipped away, you know, at uh, you, you know, Jay's stature as the great comic that he once was, because he was. The 80s, that was the early 80s, man, you know. He was the fucking guy. Good jokes. And he's out there doing it still, just doing jokes and driving cars around. So... I, I, I took the opportunity to talk to him, and I'm glad I did, and you'll hear that in a second. Uh, I do need to, to tell you that he's got a new show, Jay Leno's Garage. It airs Thursday nights at 10 p.m. on CNBC. You can also watch full episodes at CNBC.com and on YouTube. And uh, it was interesting. It was interesting to be sitting in here with, uh, with Jay Leno. This is comic stuff, man. So this is me and Jay. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. How you feeling, Jay? Good. I feel really good. You do? What are you? What have you been doing? What are you like? Uh, Nothing. I'm on the road a lot. I do that Jay Leno's Garage show. We just right. Got, we got an Emmy nomination this week, so that's good. That's exciting. Yeah, we do 52 of those shows on YouTube, and then we do 16 one hours on CNBC. And what's the structure like? How is it different than the other guys' car show? Uh, Seinfeld's car. Well, show. Jerry's is more talking with comedians in right. cars. Mars, we feature more on the cars. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I What's mean, on, on the TV show on CNBC, yeah. the YouTube show is more technical. Yeah. Uh, the CNBC show, we do stunts, crash cars, oh, yeah. roll cars, do all kinds of so stuff. So you're working right? with stunt people, working with car yeah. experts. Yeah, that kind with, of stuff. Yeah. Uh, blowing shit up sometimes. Blowing shit up. Yeah, anything like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you don't, you don't ruin any nice cars, though, do you? No, not really. Not no? Really. How many cars do you have now? Oh, man, you sound like my wife. Hey, really? I do. There's about 186 cars, about 163 motorcycles. You keep a count. You know exactly. How I know many. exactly. That's how you do it. But do you like spend the whole day down there with them, or what do you? I mean, do you like? You know, it's what I like to do. I grew up in a rural area, and you always had to fix something: lawnmowers and old motorcycles. And you know, I, when we were 12, we had an old Renault. 
Yeah. Before CV, we used to drive around the backyard. My mom would watch us through the window. Yeah. You know, now, of course, they call child services and your yeah. parents are taken away. But back then, <laughs> you know, they allowed kids sure. to have a certain amount of responsibility. But what was that? That was in Andover? Andover, Mass, yeah. That's, is it that, I guess it is kind of rural, huh? It was then. Now it's like... That was before Route 93 went in. It used yeah. to take 45 minutes oh, to an wow. hour to get there. Now it's 20 minutes. So now it's it's like a bedroom community. You know, you got the $5 chocolate chip cookie and the Starbucks. And, right. You know, and how you grew up the whole time there? Like it was your whole childhood? Well, I was born in New York, lived there till I was nine, then we moved to Massachusetts. It's funny. I only lived in New England 10 years, nine to 19 but it seems like 80% of my life. Cause it feels like you got the, the accent anyways, isn't it? I mean... I didn't get as bad as some. You right. know, I didn't get that... Yeah. You know, to me, the funniest scene in any movie yeah. is in, um, you know, the first Ted. Yeah. You know, uh, and they show... It takes place in Boston, and you see yeah. this beautiful woman walk in. Yeah, she's got some kind of supermodel body. With, right, right. You know, whatever the whatever the height of fashion and tasteful clothes are. Yeah, she got this, and she's beautiful with the high cheekbones. The yeah. guy's saying, "What are you fucking retard? You fucking out!" And it just, it just <laughs> that Boston action. It just killed. I literally fell out of my chair. It really made me. Like, what are you fucking asshole? It's uh, hilarious. <laughs> well, you know, being like having spent time there because I started doing comedy there too is like uh there's nothing like it there's nothing like the the people are all pretty good people but it's pretty it's all rough. good people but it's it's weird because it's the only town that's liberal and racist well yeah because of the colleges and then you get a little outside of boston and it's kind of well it's dicey. funny because you have mit harvard yeah. on this end and the other end you got southie and so you have this intellectual anti-intellectual clash yeah, all always. the time yeah and you have it's not that they're dumb. I don't mean dumb people. It's just people that live by their hands, that Hard live by people. their wits, yeah. uh, that work for a living versus people who think for a living. Yeah. And then not saying one is better than the other. And not saying, oh, people, that. And I don't mean it that way. It's just, it's, you know, the analogy to me is uh, in the Rodney Dangerfield movie. Yeah. I think it's Back to School. Yeah. Where the professor's teaching uh, how do you build a building. Yeah. And then Rodney goes, yeah, but then you got the union guy. You got to slip him a hundred bucks. <laughs> and how about the other guy? And the other guy comes, and you know, Rodney's got all the yeah. ways to get the real way to get it done. Right. You know, and that's, that's, that's Boston. And that, that's the beat where all the kids turn to him and start yeah, taking yeah, notes. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the, that's the funniest thing. Oh, yeah, what do you do when the union rep comes? And you got to slip him a grand, you know, blah, blah, blah. Very funny. Yeah, do you remember? Remember him? Did you know him? I love Rodney. You know, you know what's weird, Jay, is that like in retrospect, he doesn't get the respect he deserves. <laughs> like, I mean, like he, you know, people talk about him, but you know, he's he should be always talked about as one of the he greats. Is, he is one of the greats. Yeah, know? I remember the dumbest review ever. Rodney was at the Comedy Store once in, in the main room. Yeah, and the L.A. Times reviewer was obviously somebody new, and he. The reviewer said, Mr. Dangerfield has an annoying habit of constantly touching his tie and moving it. You know, why doesn't he get a shirt that... He missed the whole point of it. When was that? The 70s? Oh, yeah, yeah, 70s, early 80s. I'll tell you my favorite Rodney story. Yeah. Um, Rodney... Well, first time, Rodney was on The Tonight Show, and he's doing his act. And with I, I, with I, you or with, with Johnny? With me, with oh, me. Yeah. 
And because that was my, I used to love him with Johnny. Yeah. Because because you just Johnny would just repeat one word. Yeah. Uh, I went to the store the other day. Went to the store. Went to the store. <laughs> oh, I tell you, Dana, and the guy there, and what happened? What? And so when, whenever Rodney would call me, I love to do that. I love to yeah. go. Things are going wrong. Oh, not good at all. Not good. Oh, not good at all. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you just repeat the last two words that he said. You know. So when he's doing his act, and I notice yeah. he he twitches. Yeah. And I go, well, that's not part of it you know yeah. and i called debbie my producer over and i said look i don't want to panic anybody i think rodney's yeah i think rodney's having a stroke really you know um i said just just call paramedics can they get home okay so call paramedics and rodney sits down and he's a little out of breath and looks he's okay yeah but he just looked a little off he's you know that you know that millisecond it's amount of time if you're a comic you can't measure it but you know it's just off right you know so then they come in and they say, running, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I tell you. you know, tell you. Well, he did have a stroke. They took him to the hospital. Really? Uh, yeah, okay. So then Joan and I got to be good friends after that. That's his wife. And then years later when Rodney was in a coma in the hospital, I went to see him. Yeah. And it was right before he died. Yeah. And Joan said, Jay, Rodney can't speak or say anything, but I think he can hear you. I said, okay, okay, how you doing, Rodney? You know, blah, yeah, blah, blah, I love right. you, man, all that kind of stuff. So she says to me, um, she says, Rodney, um, if, JJ, put your finger in Rodney's hand. Yeah. She goes, Rodney, if you know it's Jay, squeeze his finger. So he's squeezing my finger, and I go, Rodney, that's not my finger. And he, and he, and he twitched, and he, and she said, I think, he, I think he's, I think he's trying to laugh, and it, it really made me feel good that I made Rodney laugh before he I mean, it really touched me that 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 he reacted that way, you know. So it was, it was really funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. You know, he was one of the greats. I used to play Dangerfields in New York. Yeah, and you, uh, that my, dark, weird room. My wife and I would sleep in the storeroom in the back, where all the cans of. Spaghetti sauce yeah. and everything yeah. piled up. And right. That's where we lived for the two weeks that I played Rodney. And it's so funny because Rodney was hardly ever there. Yeah, And right. people would come to the front. Is Rodney here tonight? I think, Bob, is Rod <laughs> Rod he may be it. Yeah, he may be in late. I think he will be. And yeah. then, they, then they get the 50 right. cover, you know. So, so you're up in Andover, and, and, and what gets you into comedy originally? And how did you not end up doing it there? You you know all those guys, right? I, I did do you're it You're a little older than them, I, I think. I did do it in Boston. But you know, I quickly learned in Boston. Where? What, what was the show? What clubs were there? Well, I used to work. Nick's uh, wasn't there, was it? No, no. I played the Playboy Club. Yeah. I played Lenny's on the Turnpike. Yeah. It was a funny club, and I played a lot of the strip joints. Yeah. Because that's what comics were at strip joints. What? Or wait, late sixties? Are we talking? I started in '69. I was working the clubs in '70, '71, yeah. and I learned real fast. If you stay in Boston, you wind up with a Boston act. Hey, how about that Mayor White, eh? You know, and then yeah. you go somewhere else right. and nobody knows what So I realized, I realized, as soon as you get kind of popular somewhere, just get out of there. Yeah. A lot of the Boston guys made them mistake of just staying there. Yeah. And they'd make a thousand bucks a weekend in right. Boston. Then they go to Connecticut and make 200 and they go, why should I go to Connecticut? Nobody knows me here. So they just <laughs> stay. You know, to me, as soon as I started to get a little heat going i yeah. would go to the next place so i used to drive to the improv in new york not every night but at least three or four nights a week from from andover yeah from boston yeah uh-huh yeah you were living in boston at the time yeah to go on at the improv yeah so you, you what you'd set out at like what six and then just yeah set out at six seven get there about ten uh -huh. wait around for a couple of hours and that was when bud had it 
That's when Bud had it. Yeah. You know, it was a magical place. They improv. I got. I was. I performed there at the end when Silver had it. And it was sort of on its way out. You know, it was just missing a letter on the wall. I had never even met another comedian. Yeah. So I thought I was the only guy in the world doing this. Up I, in Boston. Yeah. You just didn't meet. You know, it was a Boston was. A, I would hear my my mother's friends say, you know, Kathy's boy Jay's. Some kind of comedian. Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it yeah. didn't even seem like a viable. Yeah. What is he doing with his <laughs> right, life? Right, right, yeah. It was that. You, you, sure. You, and then when you went to New York. But there were no guys up there then? No, what used to happen, I had an apartment in Boston. In what, what part? Uh, right on uh, 1754 Commonwealth Avenue. Was the Cross Street? Was that up by uh, uh, up BC? Up near Brookline. Yeah, up near BC. Okay. Near Chestnut Hill. Yeah. And whenever comedians from out of town came in to do the Playboy Club, they'd stay at my apartment. Yeah, I would oh. just put an open invitation. Hi, I'm Jay Leno. Oh, okay. Richard Lewis, uh, Billy Crystal, Freddie Prince. Freddie Prince sat up all night once with a gun, just firing into the wall bl and blew a hole from the bedroom into the living room. In your apartment? Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> blew a hole into it. That is, and you barely, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you a funny story about living in Boston. You know, you, you know uh, uh, Commonwealth Avenue. Yeah. You have Commonwealth Avenue, and then you have a little strip of grass, and then you have a little street, yeah. like an access street. Right. So one day I come out of my apartment, and I see a refrigerator on the access street that someone has thrown away. Yeah. So I go, oh, man. I said, you know something? They should bust the door off of that. A kid gets in there. Yeah. So I go to my apartment, get my hammer, bang, bang, I smash the hands. I, I, I bend the door, but I bend it all the way back. Okay. And I slam it. It won't shut. Great. I did my good deed. I go to my apartment. I come downstairs about a half hour later. This woman <laughs> crying. This guy, hey, hey, you you live around here? I said, yeah, I live there. You see somebody smash this refrigerator? I, I, what? <laughs> it's a refrigerator. I said, it's an old refrigerator. Throw it away. It's not old. We're just moving in. It's a brand new goddamn refrigerator. <laughs> and I look at it and I realize, oh, it is a brand new refrigerator. I went, oh, uh, maybe somebody thought it was, uh, you know, something. Thought, well, we'll take that. It's brand new. I said, well, no, I I didn't see, I didn't see anything. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it was pretty stupid. That's good. So a lot of time. So the first time you met a lot of the guys was at your house in your apartment because they were in town. And you, what were you, house MC? Or you just always worked there. No, I wasn't house MC. There was no the Playboy Club. You had to do six shows a night. You had the Playmate Room and the Playboy Room. Where was it? Downtown. Downtown. Yeah, and each room held about three fifty, four hundred. Yeah, and. Well, the singer was opening downstairs, used to be closing upstairs. So I'd always pass these singers with big sweat stains under the arm because they'd have to carry the, the band's instruments up and down right. between three flights. <laughs> these girls, yeah. you know, mascara running there in tears. It's 100 degrees. Yeah. yeah. I remember Freddie Prince when he stayed with me. That's when Nixon, the whole thing with Watergate was yeah. going on. And uh, Freddie's doing his act and, you know, putting down the guy said, It's the president! And uh, and then Freddie said, uh, oh, oh, Nixon doesn't fuck. He sucks. Uh -huh. Okay, quiet. This guy takes out the gun, <laughs> fires two shots over Freddie's head. In uh, the club? In the club. And the whole band dives down. People are screaming. Everybody's running direct, every direction. They grab yeah. the guy. They throw him out. Yeah, it was a... It was a pretty crazy time. Well, how'd you avoid, like, the, uh, you know, getting drafted or whatever? I just had a high number. You did? If I got drafted, I would have gotten drafted. I was number 278. Yeah. 
And did you, you have people in, you, in the family that went? Did you my brother, brother was go? in Vietnam. Yeah, my brother volunteered. My brother went to military school. Yeah. So he was a soldier, yeah. And when he came back, did you get a sense that uh, he was disillusioned with it? No, my brother did aerial reconnaissance, uh-huh. and his job was to examine photos and look for targets and that uh-huh. kind of stuff. My brother went to military school. Right. He went to Yale, then he was a soldier, so... Those guys got a little treat a little bit better, and uh, right, you know, not so, so much. Right, you know. so he he didn't have a, a sense. Yeah. of No, the, my brother liked being a soldier. You know? Yeah, and what about your folks? They they lived a long time, right? Yeah, my parents lived a long. You know, I have a really old family. My father was born in my grandfather was born in eighteen fifty seven before the Civil War, and my dad was born in nineteen ten. Yeah. So my parents were always or old. Old, yeah, just yeah. I mean, always old. <laughs> your, yeah. your memory, the, yeah. your first memory is that they're old. My yeah, my. Pa- I realize when I look at pictures, I realize I was eighteen, just about when I, the age by the age I am now. Yeah, my dad was. My dad is my age when I was eighteen. Is right, was, but he seems so old to be. Back. How old are you? I'm sixty-eight. Really? Yeah, you look good. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. So, okay, so you're kicking around doing the Playboy mm-hmm. Club, Richard Richard Lewis and all those guys. That's when you first meet them. You're going down the improv. So that place, at that time, who were you seeing? What was the deal? What, how was, what well, was your relationship I, with Bud? I, uh, well, I was working for a foreign car dealership. I was working for Foreign Motors of Boston. So what would happen? Selling what? They had Rolls Royce, Mercedes Benz, Citroën, a lot of bunch of foreign cars. Yeah. And Rolls Royces and Mercedes would come into the docks in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Oh, yeah. So I would either fly down or take the bus down, pick one up, and drive it back. So I'd always stop at the improv and do a set. In the know. car? Yeah. And Bud would see this kid pull up in a Rolls and go, <laughs> whoa, this yeah. must be like the richest kid. So he always gave me, it, it took a couple of days before he realized what was going on. <laughs> yeah. But one time I went down there to, uh, to a guy had bought a, a Rolls Royce. Okay. Yeah. And he gave me $35,000. In a paper bag. That's, yeah. that's what a Rolls cost back then. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. okay, I had a paper bag. How I many picked, you got? I don't have any Rolls. Uh-huh. And I picked up another Rolls and I drove it. Instead of coming back to Boston, I think I'll stop at the improv and do a set. Yeah. So I stop at the improv and do a set. You know, I got the 35 grand in the paper bag. I got, and I take it with me on stage. And I put it on the piano and I do my set. And it's one of those nights, everything's killing. Oh, I come out. Oh, man. I got, I'm driving back. I'm listening to the set, you know. And I hit the toll booth in Jersey and I go, where's, where's the paper? Fuck, I realized I left it on the Why? piano. You did. So I turn around. And it's now one thirty in the morning, and there's some singer yeah. on stage. No Mountain one. greenery, that like eight people no, on it. Yeah. I look around and I see the bag still on the piano. Oh my god! So I go up and I excuse me, I forgot my lunch. Sorry, but I'd just be getting out of jail now. Oh my! <laughs> if I had lost that money, yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty crazy. That wait, that must that feeling when you went back into that room and saw the bag still there. That must have yeah. been a good feeling. It was a very good movie. <laughs> see, to me, there's nothing like being a stand-up, you know? Sure. I mean, like, when I watch when I watch Michelle Wolf, yeah. I love the fact that she loves to perform. Yeah. I mean, she, I can tell she can't wait to tell a joke, to write a joke, and tell a joke. I mean, there's such an enthusiasm. Whether you like her or not, I like her. I hear people go one way there. Yeah. But just the fact that she revels in being a comedian. Yeah. You know, I mean, she's so anxious to get out there. She's like, 
an athlete. She runs out and she punches those jokes. And some work and some don't like all of us do. But she really enjoys it. I don't see a lot of angst. I don't see a lot of... She has that look on her face like, why the fuck was I ever writing for anybody else? Right. Oh, now, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I really like it when I see comedians have that joy. Because to me, to me, it's the greatest job in the world. Whenever I meet comics that go... I'm going to do stand-up for a while. I'm going to get a sitcom. Oh, please, don't flatter yourself. Yeah. Okay? Is that still the model? Where, where are they going to get a sitcom? I, I, I don't know. But yeah. that's what the, you know, yeah. uh, Jerry Seinfeld is the guy that, that put that dream in a lot of people's heads. Sure. You, know? you get the development deal. Yeah. You know, you it's like Paul Reiser was the first comic to marry a waitress from a comedy club. Yeah. And every other waitress in comedy, well, I got her. And his wife, Paul, is That's great. what he started? Yeah, well, <laughs> when she worked at the club. And yeah. you know, she, now she's a psychologist, very successful, but it's just funny. you know. So did you move to New York eventually? I didn't move. I, I stayed with a friend, Mike Preminger, and some other people. And yeah. It was one of those deals, and I just stayed in New York a lot and commuted back and forth. So it was just the improv, and then there was like the nightclubs there downtown? Was, it was Catch a Rising Star. Well, that was already up? Yeah, going? that was up and running. There were a few other clubs around. Uh, and it was great, you know? You know, when I watch this show, I'm, di they're di I'm dying up yeah. here, whatever it is. I really can't watch it because there's no joy. I go, what's all the angst? I mean, we love performing i mean of course there were petty jealousies and shit like that well that's all based on the store right so like the new york thing was different right but you were at the store at that no, time but right? i was at store too and we we couldn't we watched each other's sets we went with each other to the tonight show when you when you watch my first tonight show you hear robin <laughs> you hear that laugh <laughs> in the back you hear us laughing when he did it I mean, we used to go with each other to Merv Griffin and Mike Douglas. And so, so what's the, what's the journey then for you? So you're in Boston, you're going to New York, you're doing the thing, right? And who's 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 working in New York at that time? Uh, Richard Lewis. I remember I went to New York, yeah, and for some reason, I picked up a copy of the Bergen County News, which is a, some a weekly New Jersey paper, yeah. and it had comedian Rich Lewis, local boy, you know, to appear on Good Day New Jersey or right. something, <laughs> yeah. and I was. That's the guy I saw at the imp You know, I saw him. Oh my God! And then, the and then I saw him that night. And I yeah. said, hey, I saw you in the paper. And I said, This is what a, what, a, what a town this is. You yeah. give you five minutes and you get to be in the newspaper. Yeah, yeah. You know, it just seemed like a huge deal. But I would commute back and forth. And one day I was sitting in Boston, and but who were the guys? Is you and Richard Lewis and what Bob Altman uh, was there? Like who were the who, yeah. was, who was hanging around? Yeah, the Lewis, uh, uh, Elaine Boozler. Before they came out here, like before it was right they before, came, yeah. Because yeah. everything was in New York. Don't forget, Johnny was in New York. The Tonight Show was in New York in this nineteen seventy. Yeah, Merv Griffin was in New York. We, oh, Mike right. Douglas was in in Philadelphia. You know, variety shows were were out here, but uh -huh. there weren't talk shows. When Johnny moved, that's when the whole thing changed. What year was that? That was 71, I think it was. He oh, came out here. Oh, no kidding. And I remember I remember sitting in my apartment in Boston, and I had friends of mine that were like graduating college and become realtors or whatever it is, yeah. or lawyers, and yeah. they were buying cars and having nice stuff, and I was still kind of living hand to mouth. And I said to myself, you know, if I don't go to L.A. right now, I'm going to want to buy stuff. I'm going to want to have a nicer place. Yeah. I'm going to live here in Boston. And I knocked on the door next door, and I told my neighbor, who's a friend of me, take anything you want out of my apartment. I'm leaving. For, I'm going to L.A. right now. And I just left. Yeah. And I slept on the stair, the back stairs of the comedy store the first week. That's and, what you did when you got out there? How'd you know to go there? I just, you know, as I got off the plane, yeah. I had $50, and I said to the cab driver, take me to the Sunset Strip. Yeah. He said, how much you got? I said, 50 bucks? 
Yeah, okay. So he drops you off at Sunset and Western. <laughs> that's, <laughs> You're right. That's, that's what $50 got you from LA. <laughs> right. So I got out and I go, this doesn't look like, you know. <laughs> Not fun. You know, I'm thinking, okay, what's your dress for the comedy store? The store's? Ralphs? The comedy store is like 7,000 Sunset. I'm at 300 Sunset. Yeah. Oh, man. So I had like a nine-mile walk and just trying to hitchhike. And you didn't really hitchhike in LA. You know? Yeah. So, Not uh, even in 1971 yeah, you or could try, What was it, 71, 72? Yeah, yeah, 70, 71. Yeah. So I got to the comedy store and I met Mitzi and everybody. And, yeah. you know, it was like. So, but you swept there on the back? On the back step. So Sammy was still there. No? No, Sammy wasn't there. I was still in college. So I would be out here during the summer. I graduated. Where'd you go? I went to Emerson. I graduated college in 73. But I would come out here every vacation. I would come out here. It was 73 when I actually moved. But I was out here a lot. I would stay with uh, George Miller was a friend. He was a good guy. And Emerson at that time, because a lot of guys came out of Emerson. You know, they I think they actually teach stand-up comedy there now. now. they what, do, but then they didn't. What was it, just a regular college or was it uh, still? It, it was a regular college. I was dyslexic. Really? Uh, so I, Are you still dyslexic? Yeah, somewhat. How how does that manifest itself? It's okay. So I just try to memorize stuff. Oh. So I remember looking through the course things at Emerson. So speech therapy. Each, yeah. each student who required to give a 20-minute talk at the end of the semester. Well, I can talk for 20 minutes. Shit, that's easy enough. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any interest in speech therapy. <laughs> right. But you know, I see other people go, oh, my God, I can't talk for 20 minutes. I can't do it. <laughs> I will talk for 20 minutes. Yeah. I said, well, that's easy enough. And, and and so I managed to get through, and I gave my parents the degree when I graduated. And that's when I permanently moved here. But is that what sort of inspired you to do stand-up? Was talking to, you know, in college? It helped. Any yeah. place you got a chance. But like, what's what, what sparked it for you? I mean, like initially, what what made you decide? Like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. I, I decided because in Boston there were literally, if not hundreds of colleges, yeah, close to a hundred, and most students had no money. Yeah. And they were willing to be entertained by people with no talents, you know. Yeah. It was the kind of thing where, you know, they put a candle in the cafe and they become the two-toke cafe. Yeah. And it was mostly guys with flashlights under their chins going, stop your war machine, man. Then lights would go out and it'd be silent and it yeah. would be, ooh. Yeah. You know, so the idea of doing comedy really didn't, nobody really was doing much comedy. It was right. pretty serious stuff. So I used to MC and try to throw some jokes in and. You know, and you go to the next college. Well, I emceed down at Chandler last week. Oh, okay, we can come see MC our show. You didn't really make any money. Maybe you got 10 bucks or something like that. And that's but, how you started? Yeah, I used to go to bars in Boston, and I, I'd put $50 on the bar, and I would say to the, the bartender, let me go up and tell some jokes. If I'm funny, give me my 50 back. If I'm not funny and nobody and people leave, you keep the 50 And they went, oh, okay. So a couple of times I lost the 50, but for the most times, yeah. it was okay. Yeah. Or they'd say, hey, keep your money, kid, but we don't really do comedy, don't come back. But, you know, just anywhere to get experience. Oh, and, and there was, so there was really no clubs in that. You, there uh, weren't any clubs. There were just strip right, clubs. A, yeah. I used to work with a stripper named Lily Pagan. I work with a stripper named- In I the need, combat zone? I need a man. Yeah. Uh, and these, you know, it was really interesting because these were women- I was 19 to 20. They were probably in their 40s. Yeah. Big, strong women. Yeah. And, you know, in those days, you're either a secretary or you worked at the shoe factory. Yeah. Or you were an educated woman. You know, there weren't a lot of job. And these women weren't hookers or prostitutes. They were just, I remember they all had short hair. They'd wear wigs. 
and we go do a gig out at like Fort Devens, and they would put they they would take out power tools and put together this giant champagne glass mm-hmm. that one of them would take a bath in. You know, yeah, and I yeah. would stand there and tell jokes yeah. while they did that. Uh-huh. So one day I'm telling jokes, and this guy says, "Hey, you suck! Hey, kid, you're an asshole!" Yeah, and 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 maybe she just gets out of the tub nude, totally covered, so goes over. Punches the guy in the face, breaks his nose. The guy's nose literally splits open. He's bleeding all over the place. He's yeah. screaming. His friends are going, ah! It's <laughs> hilarious. It's really funny. I mean, it was great times. Great bloody times. Oh, yeah. All right, so you're, you're coming back and forth. Mm-hmm. You meet Mitzi. What's the first time you meet Mitzi? Because, like? you know, look, I started, I was a doorman there in the, in the 80s when, you know, uh, you know, when Sam was big. Like, I was there for a couple years. That's sort you know, of Sam's the reason I left. Yeah. You know, Sam would come in with the guns and the coke. And, you know, he was unusual. He was really good. Yeah. You know, he had that primal scream, which brought, it's like when you see a guy do blues better than anybody else. You can't explain why it's better. It's just an intensity. But then he would come, he would come in with this posse after a couple of years and there'd be guns and coke. And I just said, you know something, I'm a comedian. When this place gets busted, I don't want to downtown yeah. and explain that I don't do coke so I just I just stopped going you just stayed away yeah but you were uh, well let's, so but when you first met her in the or 71 or 72 mm-hmm. I mean what, what what was that what was that scene like because I mean the strip must have been out of control I mean you struck you, you you sound to me like you're kind of a conservative guy but it was a wild time I am a conservative guy um, you know she was like your comedy mom I mean that's the funny thing about it, you know. When that strike happened, she was like a, a mom who couldn't let go. We loved Mitzi. I thought she was great. She gave us all a chance. Very nurturing with everybody. Then it got to the point, well, here's what you should be doing in your act. Uh-huh. Well, I don't want to do that. No, you need to do that if you want to work here. You know, it, it got to that point. With some, I remember Jack Grayman. She wanted him to change his name to Jackie Bananas and wear a yellow jacket. And, yeah. and You know, just making suggestions, which... She was like a mom whose kids are growing up now, and you, you know you can't. They're eighteen now, mom. You can't tell them what to do. What she know? tell you to do? It's not that she told me to do anything. She told me to wear a scarf. Did she tell you that? Yeah. Well, see, I was also friends with Bud, and she didn't like that. So there was there was a bit of a distance. I was one of the few people that could play both clubs. Uh, yeah, she, that didn't work out for Jimmy Walker. No, that didn't work out for a lot of people, and she just got possessive. And I don't think she was, I was always very grateful to her. Yeah. I mean, I was very, just for having a place where we could go. You know, just to meet other people that were comedians was like, man, I have something I can talk about. I don't have to explain to people and watch people roll their eyes when I say I want to be a comic. And Yeah, okay. You know. Like, I mean, I can't, like, I'm trying, I always try to put the history together, and I've read the book, and I've had a couple of the old guys yeah. in here. But like at that time, I mean, you come out there. You don't. You don't have agents. You don't have a manager. You're Still at the don't. comedy store, yeah. right? And uh, is Letterman there at that time? Letterman had showed up. Uh, yeah, and Letterman was probably the best wordsmith. Yeah, is the word that I'd ever seen. Yeah, uh, I think he admired my ability to be on stage and not give a shit and just sort of work. Yeah. And I admired his ability to weave. 
I remember the first joke that really caught me. He said, we here at, you know, he talked about working at a local news station yeah. at, at WKR, are diametrically opposed to the use of orphans as yardage markers on public golf courses. And he, he had a whole thing about it. And I thought, uh, I just like the lyrical sense of how he put that together. Yeah, so yeah. I went up to him and I introduced myself and I said, man, yeah, I really like the way you, 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 you weave this, you tell a story into the pitch. And he goes, wow. How can you get up there and, and, and just not be nervous? How can, I said, no, no. That's a, so that always used to be my thing. When I would do Dave, I would yeah. I would go next door and buy like a huge meatball sandwich, you know. Yeah. And when I would see Dave coming down the hall to make makeup, like oh, oh, Dave, oh, take a, how can how can you eat that before you go on? Jesus, Christ, what's the matter with you? Oh, Dave was delicious. So and then I got to the point where I would bring the sandwiches out on the show, you know. Yeah. And, and he was just he was just so he didn't like doing stand-up i mean he great comedian a, a good broadcaster and yeah. I, I, I just i'm not disparaging he yeah. just didn't like the road right to me i love the road dave hated it. i think he went out with tony orlando a couple of times <laughs> he just, just hated it more than anything and it was it was it, it was just it was just funny but i always had a a great admiration I, I think he took from me maybe a little bit of the performing part yeah and i took from him oh that's boy that's the way you write a joke right that's better a way good to say way. it and then it's not you know you're not stealing from one another it's not that you just okay that's you're seeing the right way it should be done and who else impressed you at that time did you get to see richard pryor all the time at the store yes i love richard pryor i would ask mitzi to put me on after richard every single night just to, for the workout well, you know, we comics are inherently lazy. You just uh -huh. go where the audience is. Uh huh. And oh, so you you so, say don't go, don't go. So that kind of thing. I thought I had an hour's worth of material. Uh -huh. After following Richie, I realized I had about eighteen minutes. Yeah. And now, not sarcastically, actually eighteen, because you know when the audience is on a roll, they they laugh at anything. Yeah. You know, I can remember once Robin Williams came up to me, the height of Mork and Mindy, and yeah. he said. I got some new stuff. Watch my set. Tell me if it's any good. And he went on and he said, Help me, Lord! No! You know, Robin. Yeah. He's yelling the jokes out. And yeah. The people are screaming. And he said, Is the new stuff any good? And I said, No, it, it sucks. He goes, I thought it sucks, but I I can't tell. They just laugh at everything that right. I do. Right. So, I mean, and that's not a it's not a shot at Robin. Right. It's just the fact that you, you you can't tell how you're doing because the crowd is so crazy, crazy. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. To me, my guy was always Robert Klein. Oh, yeah. Because I wasn't Jewish. I wasn't poor. We weren't rich, but I wasn't poor. So I didn't have any of the hooks. I wasn't a minority. You saw him in New York? Where'd you? Yeah, be? yeah. And Klein was a guy that was 10 years older than me. Yeah. And was essentially a middle-class kid, kid and talked about uh, stupid shows on television, uh -huh. uh, you know, or trying to get into college, yeah. whatever it might be, you know. Yeah, so yeah. I, I really identify with him. And Carlin also. Carlin, another white guy, you know, not a minority, just yeah. a funny guy. Yeah. Didn't have a hook, just had good jokes. Yeah. And, and he wrote the hell out of him. Yeah. Great comic. I yeah. Mean, just it's great. so interesting because, like, Klein's a little more free, well, not free form, but bigger bits than I think you do, right? Like, he did long executed things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always enjoy Robert. He liked being an actor. Yeah. I would see him on uh, Law and Order or something yeah. playing an attorney, and I would <laughs> say to myself, you go on the Tonight Show and own network television yeah. for eight minutes yeah. where you're the only thing on. Why yeah. Why somehow 
a part in a TV show. Why I, that's but everyone seemed to try it. You tried it, right? I mean, didn't you? Oh, okay. I tried it. I, I hated it. Well, but I mean, it's like it's like I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I think well, Robert, that was always his problem, right? Yale trained, right? Actor, like, and you know, he wanted to do Broadway. He got he was in that hit. They're playing our song, right? And like, and, and like, I from my read on it is that when Robert had the opportunity to become the biggest comic in the country, he, something went wrong. I mean, it became yeah. Cheech and Chong or somebody else. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Right? The timing was off. Yeah, yeah. But but he was good. He had a summer show called Comedy Tonight, I think it was. Yeah, I can't remember that. Because I worked at the car dealership, and he came in to buy a car. Yeah? And I, a Rolls? No, Mercedes. I believe I installed the radio in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but you've got no Rolls in your collection. No, no, I don't. I'm not a Rolls-Royce guy. You got some Mercedes? Yeah, I got some older Mercedes. Yeah. yeah. It just seems like when we're comics, like you, if you're out here, you're going to take the TV shots. Because I remember seeing you show up in weird move, old movies. Yeah, you know, yeah I, I think there's, there's, I think you're in one smoking a pipe. I think you smoked yeah, that, a pipe. That was Silver Bears with Michael. You know, I was standing on Sunset <laughs> Boulevard, and a car pulls up. Yeah. He goes, you, what are your name? What's your name? Uh, my name is Jay Leno. My name is Ivan Passa. I am uh, a director. Uh, I am doing film with Michael Caine. Do you have a look I like? Uh, are you an actor? I said, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do you want to go to Switzerland and Morocco to do a movie? I said, sure. Give me your name. <laughs> okay. So I gave him my name. Well, this isn't going to happen. Then I get the call. Here's your plane ticket. <laughs> All right. I'm on the way to, to Switzerland and Morocco. And I did I did this movie. And and my parents were like stunned. I fly to Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. And then I call my parents from Morocco. <laughs> Where are you doing in Morocco? I'm doing a movie. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? A guy stopped me on the street corner, asked me if I wanted to be in a movie, and I, okay, that's who I am, Mom. I went to Morocco, England, and Milan, Italy. Yeah. We were over there for like eight weeks doing this film. It was pretty stupid. Yeah, but, but you just, it was right at the beginning? Yeah, right at the beginning. Yeah, it was hilarious. So when you do these things, but like when you did the TV shots and stuff, it's just like you... Because what, did you know you weren't an actor or did you just not like the gig or you just was like, I, what? I don't know. I was just grabbing it straw. I, oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but you at that time early on, were you opening for musical acts? Were you yeah. on the road? Yeah, I was on the road a lot. I opened for everybody from, I remember I was opening for Perry Como. Yeah. And he was a great guy. Yeah. Perry Como uh, said to me, um, hey, who's that girl? What's that girl? What's her name? That's that's Mavis. Yeah. Says, what are you going to do with that girl? Going to marry her? I said, when I get some money, I'll marry her. So he took out $2,000. He said, here, he's two grand. Go marry her. And I did. And we're still married 38 years later. <laughs> That's Ferry Como did that? Yeah. He's a, you know, he's a great guy. I mean, he just said, here, here's two grand. Go marry <laughs> Quit her. Quit making excuses. Yeah. 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 And I said, oh, no, I had to marry her. Okay. No, he was a great guy. <laughs> did you find that, like, when you worked the road with their, the, were there guys that you worked the road with that were of another generation that, that you know, you were able to say? Oh, another generation. I remember at the improv once. This is why, you know, I, I don't bitch about political correctness. Yeah. Because to me, times change. Change yeah. with the times or die. Right. You know, the reason the Japanese beat Detroit is Detroit, well, we can't meet these new rules. We can't meet these regular. There's no way we can meet these emissions. Yeah. They can't be done. And the Japanese said, tell us what the rules are. We'll follow them. Fine. Yeah. And they came out with engines that were extremely efficient, extremely, uh, you know, less smog and fuel efficient. And... So when I see comics that bitch and moan, but change your act, okay? I mean, when I started, 
some sort of gay joke was a staple of everybody's act. Sure. Nobody does them anymore. Right. Why? Because times change. Right, exactly. You don't do that anymore. You don't have to say that word anymore. They don't want to be called that anymore. Don't call them that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But the idea that you keep fighting this, you need to change with the times. You right. Know? I mean, I see a lot of gay comedians and les- lesbian comedians doing comedy from their point of view, and it's just as funny. It's just a different point of view. Right. So, in speaking with that, at the improv, there was this old comedian, I can't remember his name, he would come in, and he's obviously been working since, like, World War II. Yeah. This was in 69, 70. And he would get up there, and he'd go, hey, fellas, you know when you go in a bar and guys in uniform, you know how they get all the girls? You know what I'm talking about? Boo! Fuck the war! Nixon's like, you know, people just scream. Yeah, yeah. This is the height of it. And he goes, yeah. I don't get it. He says, I say, look, you know, this is a lot of anti-war protest guys. Who, you know, now women yeah. like guys that don't go in. You right. Know, the, the, the dodge. The yeah. I said, you got to update your act. You can't. You know, he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. He comes and goes, watch my act tonight. He goes, hey, fellas, you know how you got to buy out of the Green Berets? You know how they get all the girls? I go, no, you can't go to Green Berets. <laughs> it's the same thing as what you just did. You, yeah. you can't update the act that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's what I mean. You have to, you just have to change with the times. I remember seeing you. I can't remember. Like I remember two very distinct uh, jokes because I, I thought they were hilarious. I thought you were great. I was in. I must have been in uh, junior high or something. I don't know if you were on Mike Douglas or Merv Griffin, but you're sitting in the big chair, and they cut away to commercial. And it was just an aside. You go, does the chair fold into the wall now? Are we gonna like on a game show? We're gonna. <laughs> and I thought it was the funniest thing oh, in the well, world. Thanks. But see, you were never a fan though. What are you, have you? Well, you're right, you were never. No, that's not me. true. No, it's not. No, oh. no. I remember seeing you at the Improv, oh, okay. like in like the the. Uh, I'd see you when I was in college. I'd come out here for the summer, and I'd see you. Uh, there was the one joke that, like, these are ones I remember just from for whatever reason. You said uh, I saw a commercial it was brought to uh, to us by the. Uh, the Spring Peach Advisory Board. Oh, oh no, okay. the, the what peach? What is it? The- no, uh, it was the. Uh- I can't the Kling Peach Kling, Advisory Board. Right, Kling, Eat delicious Kling Peaches. A message from the Kling Peach Advisory Board. And what kind of cushy-ass job is that? Yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. Bob, this man on line nine wants to have Kling Peaches with cornflakes. Yeah, that's fine. I got no problem with that. no problem with Look, that. Hold, hold my problem. Hold my calls, Grace. That's what, that's what, that's what the joke was. Yeah. But you know what's so funny? <laughs> is when you take over the Tonight Show, yeah. you've got to do a 12-minute monologue every single night. Mm-hmm. And you can't be hip every single. You just can't. No, of course it can't be. So I would just get labeled with this, you know, and just get beat up all the time. That's why when you came to see me, when I invited you to the show, yeah, I went into the dressing room. I know, you know, and I said, uh, I know, didn't. I thought you didn't like me. I thought you. That's, no, right, I, that's what you said. I, I thought. thought, you, I, thought yeah. I thought you didn't. Yeah. You didn't like, and I, because, you know, when you're. Who do you tackle? The guy with the ball, the quarterback. And yeah. to me, the Tonight Show was the ball. And uh-huh. suddenly, I was getting attacked from all sides for basically doing the same thing I always did. I mean, my job was to keep the Tonight Show number one yeah. and still try to keep a younger audience as well as an older audience. Well, I remember what happened was, like, you know, even before, like, you know, I, I, the shift, like, you took some shit, like, uh, when I was starting out and I was an angry comic, I don't think, you know, I think <laughs> that there was, there was <laughs> we weren't of the same ilk, really. Right, right. Uh, you're probably you're more now, more relaxed. I'm funny or whatever, but uh, you I rem- are funny. I enjoyed your special. I watched the last. Oh, thank you. Uh, but like I remember when you know Hicks took you on, and that I mean that was like the you know first happened, punch. You know what happened with Hicks? He said, you know, "What's the Doritos thing? The no, Satan and everything else." But well, what it was was, I was Hicks was 14 years old. Yeah, I was down and working in Austin. I think it was. Yeah, they said we have a comedy class here. 
Yeah. Some young people want to do right. comedy. And my rule is the person who thinks you suck and walks out of the room is always going to be the funniest one there. Yeah. Because there's just an arrogance, <laughs> you know. Okay. Right, right. So Hicks kind of goes, this sucks. Blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And he walks out of the room. Yeah. Okay. So I called him aside. And, and then we became friends. This is when he's 14. 14, 15. 15 when he, right, so he, first right, started. Okay. Yeah. And we, we started interacting. Yeah. And I talked with his parents and whatnot. And then he wanted to come on The Tonight Show. And he had this Jesus routine. And I said, Bill, I'd love to put you on, but they won't let you do that. So this that. is right at the beginning, 92? Yeah, I guess that's what it is. Yeah. I said, Bill, they won't let you put that on. Yeah. Uh, and he, and I said, he's, I called Lenham and Lenham will do it, you know. Yeah. I said, well, I, I can't, I don't own my show. Dave owns his show. Okay. Yeah. I, I can't tell you they're not going to cut it up. So he just started, Jay Leno, fuck you, the Doritos and all. All right, fine. And, and, you know, and then he went on Dave and across the NBC censors. Oh, that was that time. They cut yeah. it all up. Yeah. So then he got mad at that, and then it was just sort of yeah. Then he was out on on his uh, on his outlaw journey. Yeah, brilliant, kid. great, great, really funny kid. Yeah, I haven't great talked. To, I haven't talked to his parents in a while, his mom in a while. But yeah, I mean that was really a sad, sad thing. But I I just like the anger and the angst and yeah. No, he's great and a great joke writer. Yeah. yeah well, they, yeah. but so that you. Some of the seed to that was a reaction. It was a, a yeah. not necessarily personal, but he was up against it. it. What he wanted to do was radical, and the mainstream, you know, didn't have a place for him. I think that's fair to say. You know, but like just a you know a real genius guy. But I think like in, in you addressing me, addressing you, thinking I didn't like you. I think at the time, well, you know, for, you know, I grew up with Letterman, so then there was that wave of that, right. and then that book and that movie, and then you know you're you're, you're put in a position to be like, well. Well, what 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 did, what was going well, on? I was the establishment guy, and Dave was the hip guy, right? And that's probably that's probably fair to say. Yeah, and we were on at exactly the right times. I was more for mainstream people, and uh, but do you have any people. regrets about how it went down with the Tonight Show in terms of your relationship with him? Like in terms of getting the Tonight Show over him? I mean, that's well, here's just... the thing: I was guest hosting for five years. Yeah. I was the only guest host yeah. for five years. Why is that? Well, Dave had done it yeah. a bunch of times. Right. And of course, as excellent as Dave is. Yeah. Dave doesn't like network suits. Yeah. And one of the network guys just asked one of the talent corners, my two college-age kids are in town. They want tickets for the show. And yeah. one of them heard said, no, no, they're not coming in. And it's, it's our show. No, no, I don't want, no. And I remember... One of the, when they gave me the show, one, yeah. of the, one of the guys said, I wasn't going to go through 20 years of that. <laughs> you know, I mean, to me, I think right. he probably would have gotten it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, but but don't, don't forget, it's sort of, it's a double-edged show because yeah. they had a hit show, a huge hit show. Yeah. You had Johnny, who was seen as the old school, on his way out. David was the bright, shining light at 1230. Yeah. Well- why not bring a new guy in to take over from Johnny and then keep the bright light shining at 1230? Uh-huh. I mean, I think Dave was somewhat a victim of his own success uh-huh. because the show was so big and perfect in that time spot yeah. and they weren't sure if that would work at 1130. They had a guy guest hosting who was getting really good ratings and doing well. Mm-hmm. All right, why don't we just do this? And that's what they did. I mean- you know, people would get mad at me, and I, what, what was I supposed to do? Was I supposed to turn it down? Was I supposed to go, no? 
<laughs> right. I mean, it wasn't, you know, there's this sort of thing that somehow I snuck in at the last minute and stole the ball here. I was guest hosting for five years. The only guest host on the show. Yeah. I was doing weeks, two weeks at a time, three weeks at a time when Johnny was out. And then it got turned over to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, fine. And do, now do you, did you reconcile with Dave? I think so. I think Dave, you know something, we've always had a mutual admiration yeah. for each other. Uh-huh. Um, I think he was angry. Yeah. Rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, the decision was not mine. The decision was NBC's. You know, like, for example, I'm someone who would go and visit every single NBC affiliate. They wanted me to do that. Yeah. I don't think Dave would do that. It's right. just not his nature. It's neither right nor wrong. Yeah. But somehow, you know, oh, well, you cheated. You went and visited all these. No, I didn't. That's part of the job. That was, The Tonight Show was the traditional You didn't show. mind being a company guy. You like no. going out. You can schmooze. You do the stand-up. You stand know something? If, you, if you're taking the company money, you're a company guy, whether you pretend to or not. You know, right. If you don't want to be a company guy, don't take the company money. Right. Okay? But if you're going to be a company guy, take, take the company guy. Right. Well, I think that, like, also in in reaction to you, uh, you thinking I, I didn't like you, I think that, like, um, there was, I, the, it, and I know you've dealt with it because I've heard stories, you know, like, you you know, you you hear other comics saying bad shit about you and you call them up and you go, like, I, I heard what's it about? I don't mind it if they know me and, okay, I, did I fuck you over? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, well, wait, that never happened. You know, right. I, I read all these stories that... Uh, you know, just crazy stuff. Just crazy stuff. I just always liked that you would call. Like, I remember the first time you called me, I'm like, you know, it's like, oh, Jay Leno, hey, hey. And then there's a the part like, why did I get my number? What are you, you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, why not go to, you know, to me, if there's something going around, you go to the source. Yeah. You know, I wasn't a great one for social media. I wasn't going to talk. I don't like to talk shit about other comics. Yeah. I, I don't. And I don't really slam any other comics. You know, it's such a small fraternity, and there are very few people that really understand what it is we do. Yeah. It's like Kimmel and I had a bit of a thing going. You know, Kimmel came from the Letterman camp and the Howard Stern camp, and, you know- Oh, yeah, he did that thing where he sandbagged yeah, he, it. Yeah, he didn't like- Yeah, it's a, all right. That's, yeah. But, but what people don't realize is I let that go on the air. Sure. I could have edited it and just- Right, right, right. It wasn't live. Was it, it? No, it wasn't live. Yeah, right. You know, so we didn't. I said, look, if that's what he wants, that's fine. Uh-huh. Okay. And, you know, when his son had his incident, I I called him up and we had a nice talk. And I said, look, I think you're. Fu I think he's really funny. It's good. And yeah. the funny thing is, he's more like me probably than any other host. He's Italian. Yeah. He's got kind of a blue collar background, which yeah. I like. Yeah. He's a funny guy. Yeah. So we reconciled. And, and I think we're, I don't know if we're friend friends, but- you know, I just called him up and said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say anything bad about you. I think you're really funny. I think you did a great job. He does an incredible job on the Oscars. I mean, Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. You know, I turned that job down because I didn't, I didn't think I could be any good at it. And I watch him. I, he just does an amazing job. It's really funny. It's really topical. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's He's good. got a great interaction. Well, let me ask you a question. Because, like, I'm just trying to track this thing. So, we, you know, we, we got the Hicks thing, and then you took the job, and then there was the tension with Letterman. There was the Letterman camp, and then, 
you know, and then, uh, you know, there, there only seemed to be a Letterman camp, and somehow you were the, you know, you were the guy that did something yeah. bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, like, your assumption by me was wrong, because I always loved you as a comic, and you were one of the great comics, and you're still a great comic, but we all knew you as a comic, out right. there doing it, always turning over new material, and you're a great club act, and, you know, we knew you were a lifer and a veteran and the real deal. So, like, I, I, I got the feeling with you that somehow after the Tonight Show that there was this thing always hanging over you that like how how did how did so many comics decide you were an asshole uh did, did it bother you though i mean well, like yes, everything bothers look you're a comic what do you, yeah. you like to be liked yeah you know, that's why that's why i invited you on the show i don't think this guy likes me let me bring him on and see what it's all about <laughs> but, but that, that was just because like conan like was uh you know he put me on a show four times a year oh, yeah, yeah. and i was there at the beginning that's okay and but but it, like i wasn't out saying you see know, that was another odd situation because when I got the Tonight Show, okay, Conan, yeah. come on. And Conan was going week by week in terms of, is he going to stay on or were, are they going to cancel it? What do you mean? After, they, when was this? With the first time he was on the late night show following me. Oh, oh, oh. And they were renewing him like six weeks at a time. Oh, early on, the 90s. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 90s. And Omeyer came to me and said, what do you think? I said, I think he's funny. I said, I said you can't put people on in three weeks four weeks i mean you know just renew them yeah and i said listen why don't we do this i will promote him every night after my show i'll say who his guests are and stay tuned for conan i will do that every single night you're okay. telling us that don olmeyer is yeah. the head of the network at yeah. the time and don said okay would you do that i said yeah i like him okay yeah and i did and it worked fine and then one day i get you know a network guy comes to me and goes you didn't hear from me but conan wants you out and i said what? what? When was this? In the nineties? This was uh, no, in the two thousands. Uh huh. Because he was getting hot, and we were doing well, and he was doing well. Uh huh. Okay. And then they—I don't have an agent or a manager. Right. I learned my lesson with that one. Uh, so this was. Well, you all, just got a lawyer. Is, you got nobody. I don't really have a lawyer, but yeah, if I, you I, need I, one, you I, can find. I, I kind of do. Yeah, I can do it. Yeah. So. I, I just get this call. What's this all about? Okay. Next thing I know, they want to give the Tonight Show to Conan. That's what they want to do? Okay. I said, I, you know, I still got four more years. So they want you to announce it. They're going to announce it. Fine. So I said, oh, I'm stepping down. They want to give it to Okay, fine. In four years. In four years. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but we're still number one. Yeah. Then I think um, Craig Ferguson came along. And suddenly- On CBS. Whoa, he was- yeah. He was pulling from Conan, and I don't know if he was beating Conan, but certainly a run for the money. Not a huge market at that hour anyway. Right. And yeah. the networks were like, oh, oh, wait a minute. The bloom is off the rose here a bit, and w what's going to happen? Uh-huh. Okay. So then it comes along, and uh, okay, they want me to go. Fine. So I I get an offer from ABC. I, I call Kimmel. Kimmel, they want to move me at 1130, you to 1230. Would you do that? He said, yeah, I think I'd do that. Okay, fine. Well, everybody happy? Fine. And then NBC goes, I tell you, why don't you go out at 10 o'clock? And I said, <laughs> all right, fine. And somehow, like, Jay Leno, it's not fair to come. It's, 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 you know, hey, it's, welcome to show business, okay? Uh -huh. Okay, so. But did you think it would be a good place for you? Or you just wanted to work? I wanted to work. And second of all, they said to me, look, whether this works out or not, we'll pay your staff, your entire staff, for two years. And everybody in my show had never done it before, with the exception of a three or four people. All uh -huh. the writers, we had the same writers for 22 years. Everybody, I said, you guys want to get paid for another two years? Want to do all right, 
fine. Yeah. Uh, okay. Right. You know, yeah. uh, it's fine. So we, we, we did that. We had a really loyal staff. You know, when um, when the ratings started to drop on a lot of late night shows, they wanted to do cutbacks. And I, I took, I was making such stupid money anyway. Yeah. It was $30 million a year. So I said, let's cut it in half to 15 and we'll spread the second half out among everybody. Okay, fine. Okay, so now they, they love you and all that kind of stuff. Great. So everybody's happy and we, yeah. we're doing fine. So I said, you guys want to do a show at 10 o'clock and... The network was really up for this because they had tried it in the 60s with Jack Parr and had thought maybe it could have worked. But they were panicking. They were panicking because the Tonight nobody show. was watching the 10 o'clock shows. But wasn't there a panic around the number drop from- There was, yeah. there was. Um, the numbers were dropping before I came on. Yeah. Okay, and then they put us on at 10, which was seen as basically the same thing. Uh, and I guess the numbers dropped even more, but I believe he was getting notes from the network and not paying attention to them. They thought the sketches were too long or uh -huh. whatever it might be. I don't want to talk about his thing. Sure. That's, he can talk about right. that. Um, okay. I mean, there was talk about me doing a half-hour show and then Conan coming on at midnight. Right, right. You, you, so you starting at the time The Tonight Show started. Right, and then- Putting him on, and he said, then it's not The Tonight Show. That was the, the that, deal that, that that's, broke that. That's when Conan quit. Right. So then it was like, oh, he quit. You want to come back? I said, sure. So we came back, and we were number one until we left. Do you, now, okay, as somebody looking back at this, mm -hmm. two questions. Do, yeah. you, do you have any regrets about the way it all was handled? No, I don't, because, it, A, it wasn't my decision other than to say yes or no. Mm -hmm. There was no scheme. I would read where, I read one blog where it said, well, you know, they had to take Leno back or pay him $150 million. I go, okay, well, I, either I'm a genius or I'm an idiot. You can't be both. Why would they have to pay him? Why would you have to fire a guy and then pay him $150 million? It doesn't make any... It, I mean, it, it, does, it just didn't make any sense. Do you think Conan should have stayed on at midnight? To me, when you're on, you're winning. I know, because I think that's what Seinfeld said, too. Yeah, to me, as long as you're on, you're winning. I always had a play-and-pay contract. Uh -huh. You know, I always meet comics that go... You know, they're not using me, and they're paying me ten grand a week. Yeah. I go, yeah, but when that ends, your career is over, because nobody likes to spend money on something that's not making money. Yeah. So to me, it was, oh, if you're going to use me, you got to have me on the air. Yeah. I believe that was another reason why I was on at ten o'clock. That was part of it, also. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so to me, that was it. Yes, I think, I think Conan should have done it, and then I would have retired four or five years later anyway. Yeah. And if the shows. Look, you're either popular or you're not. I right. mean, you, you rise and fall on your own. Yeah. You know, I always tell comedians, they hired me to be on this shitty sitcom. Yeah, they're hiring you because it's a shitty sitcom. Yeah. So they're thinking you can make it funny. <laughs> That's why you're on, okay? Right. Yeah. Hopefully it won't be a shitty sitcom because you're on it. Yeah. That's the way it works. Right. We had bad lead-ins when, uh, when I was doing The Tonight Show um, in the 90s. Just awful. You know, all these 10 o'clock bad dramas that weren't going anywhere. Uh, the only one ER was the only hit. Yeah, and but everybody did. You rise and fall on your own on your own numbers. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let, let's go back in time just a bit for a minute. Sure. The, uh, so like I saw Tom Dreesen the other night, and he he performed at the Comedy Store for right. the first time in like forty years. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, I love Tom. He went on the main room. Argus brought him up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, do you like in Mitzi Pass? Did you go the, the memorial or anything? I didn't go to the memorial because I got a stupid phone call. 
Hey, Jalelo, you better go to Mitch's funeral, man. You're going to be, you know, you asshole. You better cancel any gigs you have. And I go, you know, I don't want to go through who all was this it? again. I don't know. I didn't know who it was. Is that really? Yeah. And I just went, really? It's 30 years later. This bullshit's still going on. So I figured I'm not going to go and cause it. You, you better go. You're not going to get spots. Right. I, <laughs> yeah. No, I went. I remember I did Tim Conway and a bunch of radio shows. Uh-huh. Just talking about how much we love Mitzi and how much she liked comedy and you know, really helped us all out. But did, do you have an emotional connection to that time and to the other oh, comics? I mean, like the, the, incredible the, emotional connection. Like then, the, and yeah. the guys, is there any guys left from that time that you're still in touch with? I mean, All the guys, Dreesen, everybody. Yeah. You know, I knew Steve Lebetkin. Yeah, I know, like the guy who jumped. Steve Lebetkin, he had, a, he had one bit called Cat News. Yeah. Uh, it was something about a newsman reading news for cats. Yeah. It, it was pretty funny. Yeah. And he auditioned with that. Yeah. At the improv, and I thought, ah, oh, it's very funny. Bet, how you doing? Blah, blah. Then he got some money from his father or somebody. He got some for investors, movie. and he did a movie called Cat News. Yeah, and, I, and, we, and that, that was the only bit he really had. Uh-huh. And then I don't know whether he was getting high or what. He just didn't come up with more stuff. Yeah. And then he went, and I think Mitzi said, nah, "It was nah, the strike too, right?" He he he. The strike was going on, and they and he was uh he he ju- he, he, he he jumped off the roof of the Hyatt house next door, right? And killed himself, right, right. But it, but it was, some of it was because he was panicking. Obviously, he had some mental problems, but he was right, panicking right. that he wasn't getting spots. Right, I talked right. to Tom about it. And he said, "Yeah, that, like he was one of the strikers, and like, right. and, and he, I guess he mentally had everything invested in this thing. Right? Rumor, right. you can validate a rumor to me or not, and and it's all right uh, if it's not true. But yeah. I heard that, it, that somebody the next day after he jumped uh, uh, called the comedy store uh, to put him for spots as the Bitkin." <laughs> No, I don't know. I didn't hear you didn't that. Do, you didn't do that? I didn't, no, I wouldn't do that. Steve was a friend of, Steve was a friend of mine. You know. Yeah, uh, of course. I don't mean to be a, No, 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 but it was just- It was a comic thing, you know? Yeah, no, and that's what I mean. It's a comic. Yeah, you somebody, just, you yeah, have to go- Somebody's going to do something. You have to go for yeah. the joke. You yeah, yeah, go for the yeah. Joke, you know? But you do, you have warm feelings about that time and- I like, love that time. You know what it was? Because you, you, there was a sense of belonging to something. I mean, it, it, when you're a young comic- you have no idea where your life is going. You don't want to sell insurance. You don't yeah. want to work in a factory. Yeah. You just don't want to be a regular person. Yeah. You just want to do something or die trying. You know. Yeah, yeah. And and to meet other people who think like that. I mean, I went a whole year without ever meeting anyone else that wanted to be in show business in Boston. That people look at you like, oh, you're a comedian. Huh? Oh man, that's a. That's kind of weird. Yeah. You know, and girls with a comedian, sure. like, where do you work? Right. And, well, you know, you get up a, and you just tell jokes, you talk. Yeah. You just, it, it just seems, then you come here or New York and you meet guys that want to be lighting directors or choreographers yeah. or gay guys that want to be dancers. Well, yeah. no, in Boston, you don't, no gay guy would say you want to be a dancer. You get right. beat up back in the, right. you know, I mean, it was just, it was like an amazing time to meet other people. Right. You know, I think it's like, Maybe if you're a gay person and suddenly meet other gay people and you well, realize- this is where show business yeah, is. This is. Yeah, where, this is where, here are people I have something in common with. Yeah, you know? yeah, of course. And this is where, where you, you, you know, you kind of do that, that, uh, that work. I mean, it was a very exciting time. I got, I got picked up twice for vagrancy on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. And the cops would see me. In fact, when I got my star, we, uh, we put the star where I got picked up twice. Yeah. The cops would see you about eight o'clock at night and go- where are you living? I don't have, get in the back. 
and you, they put you back in the police car, <laughs> and you'd spend the whole night in the back of the car in their shift, and they'd let you out at six o'clock in the morning. But you'd tell them jokes and stuff, <laughs> which was worked against you because if they laughed, like the a couple car. weeks later, two other cops. Hey, you the guy that told the joke? Yeah, get in the back. Get in the back. <laughs> okay. Hey, well, tell tell my partner the joke about the guy with the with the thing. Oh yeah, whatever it is, you know. So it was it was to me because you know at the time the hot book was, ladies and gentlemen, Lenny Bruce. Right. And Lenny Bruce had died a few years earlier. Sixty six, I think. Sixty nine. Sixty nine. Sixty six. Yeah. Uh, and it seemed like strippers and comedy and yeah. the underbelly, the seedy underbelly of New York. It just yeah. seemed like the hippest, coolest yeah. place in the world to yeah. be. Yeah. I used to work Broadway Burlesque, which yeah. was a strip joint, and it was just the seediest place. And uh, there used to be a stripper named Silver Moon who was yeah. a gymnast who had the most incredible body, and she would practice all day twirling six guns and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. You think the guys are like this? I go, yeah, yeah that really doesn't. They're not really doing that. <laughs> and then I saw her 10 years later, and she yeah. looked 55 years old, you know, living on that stripper diet of Reese's peanut butter cups and pizza slices and grape juice and mm. then just grape soda. It's just crazy. Yeah. It was just, but it seemed like a really romantic, cool, dark and underbelly kind of a lifestyle, which it's, I like. And it, well, and, and it is kind of. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> so when you go out now, like, what do you? How how many weeks are you out? I do about two hundred and ten dates a year, or something like that. And do you you write all your own shit still? Yeah, for the most part. Sometimes people come up to you and give you something. Oh yeah, yeah. And I you mean, pay them. Yeah, you pay them. Yeah. Um, you know, I had somebody give me a great joke. Oh yeah. And I did it like three or four times, and then this is why you got to watch everybody. I watch Jim Jeffries, and I go, "Fuck that." That's that's his joke. Oh, someone gave you Jim Jeffries. You know, joke. and I called him up and I said, "Look, man, I I did this joke uh, two times, once in Vegas. I had no idea. Oh, that's cool, man. I said, look, it'll never happen again. Uh -huh. I just, yeah. I mean, I just felt so bad. Yeah. So now I just, it's just from guys I know and or girls I know, whoever I know, or people that uh, you still work with, guys that wrote for you for years. Sometimes, once in a while, guys send you something. Oh yeah, yeah it's fun. So two hundred. So and what do you you go regular down to the Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa? Been to the Comedy Magic Club every Sunday since seventy eight. Yeah, and that's still ongoing. Yeah, I mean that's the only. You know, I, for some reason people find this fascinating. I always live on the money I made at a stand up. I never touch the diamond. Well, what are you going to do with the other money? Tonight show. I do a lot of I got charity stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you make enough. It's my wife and I, please. I mean, yeah. It's not like I get. Right. You know, we've got some scholarships. My wife works with uh, women of Afghanistan, you know. She's uh -huh. with the feminist majority, and they, they try to. They smuggle girls out and they give them educations here uh -huh. in America. And uh -huh. it, I mean, it's really satisfying. You meet these girls. Yeah. And now they're 10 years later, they're women and they're doctors and they're lawyers. Oh, it's beautiful. And you know, it's really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. And I, to me, I love being a comic. To me, it's the greatest job in show business. Yeah. You don't, you know, I have, if the gig's at 8 o'clock, your plane lands at 7.15, you're at the club at quarter to 8 and you go, fuck, I got to kill 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, everybody else, they got to, Bring the Teamsters unload. You yeah, got yeah. sound check. Yeah, the yeah. bass player's drunk again. Oh, see another bass player. See if we can find somebody. You know, I don't. You don't have any of those. Yeah, problems. yeah. yeah. Oh, write yeah. joke, tell joke, get check. Yeah. It's real simple. Get laughed and get check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah, or not go back. But you know, it's so much fun just to craft a joke oh, on yeah. the road. Yeah. You know, I was trying to come yeah. up with something with the school shootings. You uh huh. Know? 
I'm thinking, how do you do a joke about that? Right. Let's see if you like this one. Okay. You know, Trump said he wants to uh, arm the teachers. Have they thought this through? Like the school librarian. Would her gun have to have a silencer? Uh. Like, shh, shh. You know, just, <laughs> and it, did that work? It works, actually. <laughs> and I always say to the audience, you're laughing at school shooting. You know how hard it is to write a school shooting joke? <laughs> yeah. But there's a great sense of accomplishment when you have a joke that's actually- Oh, yeah, when you're challenged by the-, the I mean, to me, I will do an hour- Horror just, of the news. Yeah, just to try out one line. You know? So it's still pretty pretty topical? So your turnover is pretty- uh, you turn No, it's what you call evergreen topical. Because most people don't know anything. I learned on The Tonight Show, yeah. once you get past Secretary of State, yeah. nobody has any idea who okay. you're talking about. They just yeah. don't know anything. It's sad, isn't so it? So you have to talk about, how about the economy? Yeah, yeah. And Congress, yeah. you know, because on The Tonight Show, a joke that killed on Monday by yeah. Friday, who was that again? That yeah. was, you know. Oh, and now it's gotta be so exhausting. It's just like, it's just a, it's a dump truck full of shit every day. Yeah, and you know, you know, to me it's funny because back, I, I did it when, Bush was dumb and Clinton was horny and it yeah. was just easier. You know, comedy comes from a certain conservative place and then it's outrageous when you cross the line. But when the president's banging hookers and saying Africa's a shithole, where do you go? Where, where do you go? How do you make that funnier? Yeah. What's, how do you exaggerate well, that? Well, now it's like sort of on these guys, you know, like it's sort of impressive like Kimmel and Colbert. You know, like, something, they've got to hold the line. Kimmel, there's, Colbert. I, I, they're, I, they're actually serving as a as a check on the executive yeah, power. Yeah, Samantha B. Yeah, yeah, sure. Trevor, Jimmy and now, also, uh, and Fallon. now Michelle. Yeah, Michelle Wool. I mean, I Jimmy think- Jimmy came around. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. it's- Well, you know, I you can't blame Jimmy. I don't blame him. Because it's the Tonight Show. It's the mainstream yeah. show. Yeah, no, I, I like it. I like yeah. uh, going on with him. I like going on with all the guys. Yeah, really. I mean, it's it's tough to write a different version of the same joke every night. Everyone, there's and so many And I don't say places. that insultingly. Yeah. I mean, it's just basically- what did Trump do? What? Right. And you got what? in every one of the shows, it's got a dozen guys sitting there churning out monologue jokes. Yeah. You're going down the, like, you know. Yeah. And like now, when you go on the road, if people don't like your politics, they yeah. don't like your act. I mean, that's why I really enjoyed Seinfeld's last Netflix special. Because well, it's just with him going over his old joke. bits. Yeah. Here's, here's a bunch of jokes. Yeah. Here's a bunch of jokes. Oh, thank you. I don't have to commit to a, yeah. a point of view. Yeah. I don't have to tell you my opinion. I just here to laugh, you know. Yeah, I don't know what's going on inside that guy. What, yeah. Jerry? Yeah. I mean, I, I get more of an, I get, I get a sense of you, but like, because like he, his point of view is very specifically mundane they're sort of elaborating on you right. know these little things but like i don't know what i don't know what that guy is there's one moment when on comedians and cars when shanling's with him yeah and shanling says to him they obviously love each other and shanling says he seemed very angry and there was a moment on seinfeld's face where i'm like oh that's what it is yeah yeah <laughs> no i know what you mean i know yeah what you mean. yeah 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 but you know seinfeld and I, we talk on the phone we each come away with something funny oh yeah i bet i bet you guys are it's real just, joke it, guys it really it really makes me laugh. You talk to him often? And I always, I, you know, I yeah, I talk to him a lot. I always f try to find the thing that makes, oh, we were talking about, uh, uh, and this is not, uh, Tig Nogero. Yeah, uh, Tig Notero, yeah. No, how do you say her name? Notero. Notero, I'm sorry. And I said, I thought she's funny. I yeah. said, I don't know how she'd do in Vegas at the Sand and Gravel Convention, but I think, you know, it's, sure. it's, it's a point of view. And, it's, and you realize, Comic is very specific now yeah. for specific audiences. You know, we're sort of the old school, you try to work every crowd. You know, yeah. I once booked myself into Oral Roberts University. I, uh -huh. I just want to see if I could play this. To of course see, you could, right? See what they like. Yeah. And all they said was, no sex jokes. You can do anything else. Please don't do any sex jokes. 
okay, I signed a contract, I got paid, I went through it. And you know, they were fine. Yeah. I mean, politics, everything else, just yeah. like anybody else. They just don't want any dick jokes. They yeah. don't want any, you know, it's all right. Well, so, I remember when I interviewed Gallagher years ago and he walked out on me like he, he before he walked out, when we were having a reasonable conversation, uh, <laughs> yeah. he was talking about these people who come up on stage with their notebooks. You can't bring your notebook on stage if you're playing the state fair in, in Oklahoma or wherever it was. Like, he was just making this point about like how, don't you want to play a state fair? <laughs> yeah, and then right. you really have that moment where you're like, no, I, I don't want to. I don't want to play a state fair. I, <laughs> I, really, I don't need I to. Don't, <laughs> Gallagher, you know, Gallagher ran for governor. Yeah, here? Yeah. And uh, when that whole thing was going on, remember there was, there was some stripper running when Schwarzenegger was. Oh yeah. yeah so yeah. we had all fifty candidates on. Yeah. The strippers. So and Gallagher, who is a, and Gallagher comes up. And he goes, you know, you got to put me on and talk. I, go, I can't because it's equal time. Yeah. You're, oh, and he was so mad at me. He goes, yeah. no, you. But no, I can't because legally, if I give you five minutes, I have to. So we have all fifty. You we had all fifty candidates in the audience, all answering the question at the same time, all just talking. All right. It's you a know. bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a bit. And Gallagher, no, let me talk. No, and he, I said, I can't. Don't you understand? <laughs> and he hasn't spoken to me since. Did he walk out? Yeah, yeah boy. I I mean, your wife is awake a lot. I bet that's a real hit to take. Gallagher, he's not going to well, talk to you anymore. Well, but you know, some of the good comic back yeah. in the day. Was he? Really good, yeah. he he had, Before the props? It was always props. There always props, but he always had funny stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, it was. Yeah. You know that everybody has that flash of brilliance. I don't know, and things happen along the way. Sometimes it's drugs. Sometimes it's relationships. Sometimes it's you're too straight. You're too gay. You're too screwed up. You're too. But that initial, you know, that's what I like when I watch Michelle Wolf yeah. now. I I'm seeing the prime. I'm yeah. seeing her really burning white hot. Yeah, and she has such fun doing it. I love watching a comedian who enjoys performing because she's. She's got that big smile, and and Nixon, uh, so and so's an asshole, yeah. you know, and and she's she's laughing at her own joke, and uh, but in a good way, yeah. and, and I, I I love to watch the joy of comics performing. I hate when people, oh man, this sucks. Well, that was the great thing about being at the store. So, like on any given night, you could just sit there, you know, and watch people when I, you worked there. I remember Newhart came in one night to see. I'm not going to uh, say who it was. Who it was a comedian who was a hot comedian. Yeah, <laughs> Newhart's sitting there, and they go, "Please welcome Town Town." The guy comes up, "How you doing? Hey, where are you from? Denver? Fuck Denver! Huge laugh." And Bob yeah. goes, "I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it." <laughs> and he says, "Where are you from? Boston? Fuck Boston!" <laughs> woo, woo! And Bob yeah. goes, "I don't get it. What am I? What, why? Why is this a joke?" I mean, it just really made me. He was one of Bob Newhart. Nobody he's so funny. Good. He's so great. You know what it is? It, he's like Letterman. He has yeah. that word. Yeah. He had. He has a bit. It's so subtle. Yeah. It just killed me. I watched him one time. He used to do about the first astronaut to have extraterrestrial extraterrestrial interaction in space. Yeah. Okay. So he's met the aliens and he's having a press conference and he's talking about it, you know. And a reporter says to him, how far ahead of us are these aliens? And Newhart says, about six weeks. (laughs) And you go, it's six weeks. You know, two weeks you can catch up to. Six months is too far away. But six weeks is just wait, enough wait. that we'll never catch them. <laughs> They'll always be just six weeks. And, and you know something? It was such a subtle 
<laughs> Bob Newhart, just a throwaway line. Yeah. Just it was as light as a feather, and it stayed in the air. Yeah. And, you know, and it, to uh, me, I love watching when comics can do. That. You know how I used great to like. He's got such a unique timing. Uh, Bob and Ray. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. they had that sense of uh, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember they used to have a bit about some guy wrote a book on the presidents, and uh-huh. they were checking it for accuracy and they said now here you have a picture of Lincoln riding his inauguration in an automobile well don't worry about that well they didn't have automobile you know and they just have yeah, this yeah, whole yeah. this goes off on a tangent the just build. As, you know I always like the disappearing dime trick more than the huge illusion because sure. the disappearing dime trick it's right in front of you and he's using his hands you know? yeah and when people can use words that way like it's like like Newhart just just talking you know yeah. no funny costume no funny face yeah. Just, just throw the word out there. You he's know. A, yeah, uh, and, he, and he's a great reactor, and great he can reactor. react to himself. Oh, like fantastic. that weird beat that he takes. Is yeah, like, yeah, really funny. It really is, funny. man. All right, buddy. Well, that was great. I think that we had a good talk. That good for you? Yeah, you, was it good for you? You feel better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good. I, I, I always like you, Jay. I know. I, I, thought, I always liked you. I thought you were funny. Uh, do you now? Did you ever like? Do, did you ever resolve anything with Conan, or is that just shit? No, I have no... You know something? I don't know. Yeah. To me, this is business. Right. Um, Do you really get screwed by another performer? I mean, was I supposed to quit? Yeah. You know, one day I was in traffic, and I pull away, and this guy goes, beep! And he pulls up next to me, and I go, I'm sorry, man, I didn't mean to cut you off. I I looked in my rearview mirror, I didn't see you. You didn't cut me off. What's the problem? You stole Conan's dream, man. And he starts screaming at me, and I go... What, what do you? I say you want to pull over and talk about? This? No, I don't, man. But you stole Conan's dream and it's just screaming. I go, okay. You want to, you want to pull over, have a cup of coffee, and we talk? No, no, I'm not talking to you. And he took off. I went, All right, I, I don't know, I don't know, yeah. I don't know what that was. And to me, it's a business yeah. decision, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, when they had to the strike at the comedy store. There was a group of people that wanted all comics to get paid the same yeah. on gigs, no matter what your talent. Well, it doesn't work that way. Right. It's a competitive society. The guy hits the most home runs, gets the biggest contract. I mean, what are you doing? What did you do on the strike? Were you on either side or were you? No, I was I was with the comics. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to say it was, I mean, I remember asking, I think $25 seemed fair. Yeah. And For, As opposed to not getting paid at, at all. Not getting paid at all, just $25 yeah, is yeah. sad. Yeah. And Mitzi was so opposed. This was such a huge insult. And I think she was insulted. And it wasn't about the money. It was about the fact that this is a a school where you learn. Right. But she Someone's was making, making money. Yeah. I mean, you had the comedy store, this comedy store south, the comedy store west and westward. The comedy, there were comedy stores all over the place. And, and they were doing huge business. And... They were the talk of, you know, Johnny Carr. My next act comes from the comedy store, right? Here down in Los Angeles. You know, yeah. it was the perfect name, comedy store. Go there, yeah. buy comedy. Buses would pull up. I mean, making millions of dollars. And it didn't seem that outrageous to get $25. But the door was so slammed in our face that really, what, you know. Yeah, it seemed weird. Yeah, and, and it, it was weird. And I always, because I always liked Mitzi. She was always good to me, but yeah. she just couldn't. 
let her comics go off. You know, they all, if you love it, set it free. Yeah, You know, yeah. that silly thing. Or just work down the street for fuck's sake. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. It's on fire again, dude. It's like crazy. Like, it's crazy busy there. Good, good. You should go over there, do a set, see what happens. Yeah, it'd be fun to do a set. I've worked the Laugh Factory a couple of times. I like yeah. that. That's true. And Where'd I, you work? You worked all the rooms at the store, main room. I worked all the mm-hmm. rooms, yeah. It was fun. Yeah. You yeah. Don't, do you ever miss those times? I miss the camaraderie. That's what I think that TV show doesn't capture. It doesn't capture the real fun of it. And you know the funniest thing about the TV show, there's nothing harder than writing a joke. Yeah. You can write all the dramatic scenes you want. And to me, that show should be filled with jokes. Right. Just constantly Great jokes. jokes. You know, the great thing about the old Dick Van Dyke show was they could do the bad jokes in the writer's room. Yeah. And then, how about this? You know, yeah, yeah. and it wasn't, and you knew it wasn't funny, but it was funny that they threw it out, you right. know? Yeah, got, yeah, yeah. And that's what that show should have, just the bad jokes as, as well, you know? Right, but the good jokes should be the actual show show. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I don't know, like, you know, like I, I have a weird history with that place, and it doesn't go back that far, but I th- it's the only place in town I'll work because I love it, and, you know, and, I, and, and now it's like it's, since we all got sort of behind it on social media, she, you know, and, the, and, you know, they put some money into security and the new bathrooms, and, like, you know, it's a real well-managed joint now. Oh, it's good, great, good. you know? A lot of people are coming out that weren't there before, that never really worked there. I think Jerry did the first set he'd ever done, maybe done one other one there. Mitzi didn't like Jerry. Yeah? She I wonder why that it is. I think he was seen as an improv act. He oh. was an improv comic. You, you think know, that was I it? I think that might have been it. Plus, Jerry has always been his own man yeah. and does his own way. And yeah. if Mitzi ever said, Jerry, I think you should do it this way. No. <laughs> you know, Jerry's not a guy that's going to go, right. oh, okay, let me think about it. And then, you know, me, I would go, oh, well, thank you. That's a good suggestion. Fuck that, you know. And then I would just do what I, right. but, you know, Jerry just right. kind of, no, I'm, that's not going to happen. Right, you know? right, right. And I think she, she was under the fact that he was a, f- see, he came out a fully formed comic. Yeah. So she couldn't mold him in any sense. Yeah. You know, most of the other comics are just, well, what's this? Lost people. Lost souls. Yeah, lost souls. Yeah, yeah. souls. That's why I I like them all. You know, even the comics that I totally don't like me, I I still like them because they're the only other people that have this, you you have a shared experience. Yeah. It's like guys are you're in battle together or something, you're in war together. Sure. You know what it's like. You got shot at. Who are your friends? Do you hang out with people? Like comics or I mostly? See Jerry. Yeah. Uh, Brogan and I work together all the time. Oh, yeah, Jimmy. Oh, I was at Comedy Magic. Uh, Billy Gardell. I, like. oh, yeah, I work yeah. with a nice lot of- guy. Yeah. yeah, great guy. Yeah. Really funny guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. I like meeting new comics. It's, yeah. just, it's just funny to me. I see a lot of guys that are really, really good. Man. Yeah. And it's fun to see female comics now. I mean, I think it's- I don't know if it's totally equal, but it seems really damn close at this point. Yeah, a lot of people coming in. There's a lot of, it just seems like a lot of people are getting into it. Which you know, Ellen DeGeneres was the first one for me that she didn't do a male or female act. She was just a comedian. I hate comedian. I yeah. hate that name. You're a comedian. You're a comic, okay? yeah. I mean, I, Ellen has bits I wish I had and I'd love to do. Yeah. And maybe she thinks that I have something she'd like. But you could do that. It's not gender specific. It's not right. the old toady feel. Sure. You like this dress? You know, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of, you know. <laughs> yeah. Show business. Good seeing you, Jay. You too. Thanks, man. Thanks. All right. Well, I, I thought we covered it. I, I, it was great to see him. You know, he, he's Jay Leno, and he's a, he's a great comic, and uh, and we we talked about the stuff. Okay, we talked about it. 
and I feel good about it. And as he was leaving, he says, let me know, you know, anytime, anytime you want me to come back, come back, come back. Anytime you want me to come back. And while you're still listening to the end of this show, go check out our new WTF t-shirts at podswag.com slash WTF or the merch page at WTFpod.com. And know that, uh, but I really love the, the multicolor 3D one. So go get one. You can wear it and have people ask, what is that thing? And, and as a, a WTF then, you'll know. It's the old logo. Trippy, man. We also might be getting another one. I got Aaron Draplin involved. The fucking genius. The, uh, the, uh, the logo genius, Aaron Draplin, uh, is coming up with a, a, a very spectacular shirt uh, that I think we might, uh, we might uh, premiere soon. Okay? All right? I, got, I just got a whole shit ton of my uh, V-Picks. V-Picks, uh, like, I freaked out because now, I now use a very, a very specific and fat pick. It's the Ed King signature pick. Uh, that like I got from V-Picks. Now, Ed King is the original guitar player for uh, Leonard Skinner, one of them, right? And I don't know, I you, you used to order them from V-Picks and you get a, a card signed by Ed King and, and these picks, they apparently he used to play with a shell, so they fashioned this, like, it's got to be a millimeter thick at least or a millimeter and a half thick with this sort of sanded edge to it, a giant triangle pick, and I started playing with them. They're hard as fuck. And I can't not have them now. And I just got a bag of them from Vinny over at VPix because uh, they they said they were sold out on the site. So I had to email directly and he got hold of me and, you know, it, he made it happen, man. So I, I just got to give him some props for that. If you want to check out, if you're a guitar player, you can go to v-picks.com and uh, they got a lot of a lot of weird picks, but I used the red transparent Ed King signature pick with the sanded edges. And I'm going to play some guitar right now because that's what I do now. <laughs>